There's room for everything in pro wrestling. When's the last time we were truly worked? Dana Brooke should be champion right now. How dare you, sir? It's whatever at this point. Goldberg's in the Hall of Fame. That made it irrelevant at that point. Are are we wrestling nerds or not? No, we're not. We're cool guys. (laughs) And that's the bottom line because Bama Dave said so. Well, Raymer Jammer and Drop the Hammer. Hey, yo, how many of you guys came here to see the Bammer Slammer? Ah, uh, little shout out to one of the greats, Scott Hall. Rest in peace, my friend. My gosh, welcome to the Bammer Slammer tonight, guys. Before we get started and kick things off, I want to introduce you to this awesome panel that I've assembled tonight. Couldn't have picked four better guys to do this topic tonight. And speaking of Scott Hall, we're going to be talking our favorite heel turns. And man, did he have a big one uh, almost 20, no, almost 30 years ago. We'll talk about that here in a minute. But first over here to my right from the music city of Nashville, Tennessee, He's the newest member of the SmackDraw brand, and he's the host of the Botched and Chair Shots podcast, a diehard Tennessee Titans fan, and a cuisine creator. Please welcome back to the Bammer Slammer. He's a chef by trade, and he's a mark by choice. Feathered Southern gent, my friend, the chef, Will Gray. Will, how you doing tonight, man? Bama, I have to tell you, I'm super hyped to be here. Uh, I've been feeling kind of dastardly the last few nights trying to get as much heat as I can to build up for this conversation, including <laughs> leaking my picks ahead of time without realizing you didn't want me to do so. <laughs> yeah, I told him, I said, I said, Let, let's just build up to it, post a little bit every day. And he thought that meant post his picks. And I was like, no, post that we're doing this <laughs> every day. The good news is I only got 10, 9, and 8 out there. And there then he's like, whoa, 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 let's, let's slow this down some. <laughs> absolutely, yeah, absolutely. That's exactly where we're going. Over here, down right below, Will, uh, he is hailing from the city of brotherly love. The host of the Squared Circle podcast, where every week he covers the top ten best matches and moments in the week of pro wrestling, as well as covering some great pay per views of the past. I'm excited to be on his show next week. Hang tight, and we'll tell you more about that here in a little bit. But welcome back to the show from the Squared Circle podcast, Mister EJ. How you doing, man? Doing pretty good. Thank you for allowing me to uh, talk about the greatest heel turns in professional wrestling. Uh, I'm honored to be a part of this uh, for the fact that, uh, in the words of William Regal, we're all born naughty. Not everyone, (laughs) but some of us are. Um, I'm a heel sympathizer, and I can't wait to talk about my favorite moments. I definitely agree with you. Those of you that might remember when we did our top 10 favorite entrance themes of all time, EJ was in that chair down there. Uh, that was a fun show. Uh, EJ, top 10s are right up your alley, right? All right. Yep. <laughs> Definitely that's, is. That's pretty much what you do every single week, yeah, right? Yeah, that's what I do. <laughs> now, what, now, now, did you just drop an episode here recently? What, what top 10 did you just do? Uh, we basically, uh, basically, I covered uh, last week's events. Um, that was pretty much it. We did the top 10 moments and matches that uh, occurred. Uh, on uh, on uh, AEW Rampage and Dynamite, uh, we brought NXT back into the countdown. Uh, I started to watch that again and was happy with what I saw. So absolutely, um, I'm hoping the main roster in my guys gets better, and maybe I'll put them on the countdown. <laughs> but yeah, we do uh, top ten matches, moments. Uh, I do a power rankings, and then top five shows of the week. Awesome, awesome. And then finally, directly right below me. He's 33.33% of the hashtag too sweet 
Trio. He's the co-host of the Wrestling With The Truth podcast, which drops new episodes every single Monday, covering reviews, hot takes, opinions, and more. Welcome for the first time ever to the Bammer Slammer, Mr. B.C. Hunter. Good evening, sir. How are you? Thank you very much, sir. I'm um, pleased to be here. This is my debut on this show, and uh, I couldn't have picked a better one to jump on. My uh, favorite episodes that we've recorded so far have been always been the top 10 countdowns, so this is right up our alley. So, yeah, thanks a lot for inviting me to be on here. Oh, man, I'm glad to have you here. Now, real quick, BC, give us a rundown on who are the other two members of the Two Sweet Trio? How did you guys get started, and what do you do every week? Yeah, so every Monday you can catch a new podcast from us uh, uh, on audio version. Um, so that's uh, on any of the podcasting apps. Uh, my partners are the Nightmare Jay Myers and the NWO Machine. You, uh, you'll you hear them on every episode. Uh, most of the times we're just doing some discussions of, amongst ourselves, either on modern product or old product, but sometimes we'll bring in guests as well to, to join us. And I should mention that we just launched a YouTube page. Uh, so we're just getting started. So under the same name, Wrestling With The Truth. So, and it's just really quick snippets, nothing long, just two, three minutes shots at a time. So feel free to come on over and subscribe. Awesome, man. Well, again, I'm glad to have you. And absolutely, everybody go go to YouTube right now and check out The Wrestling With The Truth. Go to um, Squared Circle Podcast, subscribe and follow there. Go to Bot Spots and Share Sites, follow Will and subscribe to his channel as well. And of course, visit here on the SmackDraw brand and uh, you can follow us on our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash Podcast. Make sure you like, comment, subscribe, and click that bell. We're putting out content every single week. We don't want you to miss out on any of it. If you want to listen to us in a podcast form, pretty much any platform you look around you're going to find us just type in smack drop podcast and uh we really appreciate it leave us a five-star rating there and leave us a comment we'll answer them in a timely manner we thank you guys so much for doing that we'll talk to you a little bit more about that later but let's jump into tonight's episode guys it's march 15th beware the eyes of march those of you that are shakespeare fans or history fans know that it was on this day that julius caesar was betrayed by his closest friends and put down so when that so when that i looked at the calendar and realized it was going to be falling on a tuesday night i said betrayal ides of march let's talk heel turns let's let's talk let's talk let's talk a subject that all all of us are very familiar with maybe those moments where you love someone you cheer for them and all of a sudden they stab your heart right through the gut and my gosh why are they doing this why i used to love them now i hate them or maybe someone that you were so sick of them as a baby face and then man when they finally turned heel you're like this is what they needed to do for years what took them so long whatever the fa- whatever it may be however you feel about heels or however you feel about heel turns we're going to be talking about that tonight. And just a reminder, we're not doing top 10 best. We're doing our personal favorite top 10 heel turns and what that implies for us. So those of you that are watching us in the chat and are on our Twitch channel, which is twitch.tv slash like over here right now, Allison's in the chat. I see uh, PhD Bound. What's up? I see our fearless leader, Kyle. What's up? What's up, man? How you doing? Uh, we're doing great. So drop your heel turns in the chat. Anything that comes to your mind as we're talking about it, uh, shoot us some comments. I'll respond. I'll shout you out on the air, and I'll read your comment on the air. So we thank you so much for doing that. But again, top 10 favorite heel turns. And as I started off the intro tonight with a, with a short tribute to Scott Hall, one of the greatest heels in the history of the business. I know we're going to dive deep into this, but let's each take one minute real quick. Will, I'm going to start with you. One minute. What what, what, what do you, what'd you feel about Scott Hall? When you think about who Scott Hall was as a wrestler, you think about three different stages of his career. You think about when he was in the NWA coming up, 
teaming with Kurt Henning as a tag team. Then you think about him coming into WWF, WWE as Razor Ramon and the historic run he had there, the curtain call rolling into it. You think about those three stages of his career and the fact that in the NWA, in the WWF and in WCW, he was top tier the whole time. Arguably, in my opinion, the the greatest person to ever do it to not win the world heavyweight title. EJ, one minute. What do you feel about Scott Hall, sir? I've always been a fan of his uh, uh, the Razor Ramon character. Um, like from 92 to 94, uh, obviously one of my favorite matches uh, that he ever was in was the uh, ladder match at WrestleMania 10. And I agree with Will. Like, he was the one of the greatest to not win the world title, but Bully Ray said it perfectly. Uh, he didn't need it. Or it was uh, at, actually, I'm sorry, correction. I think that was um, Tommy Dreamer that said that. One uh, of those busted open guys. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> that's all right. No, but, I I agree. Go ahead. Oh no, that's all I had. I mean, he he was he was great. I mean, I enjoyed his work, especially you know in WCW with the NWO. But I, I've always will remember him as the Razor Ramon character. That was my favorite version of Scott Hall. Absolutely, BC Hunter. One of your co-hosts has NWO in his name, so he probably the NWO probably comes up a lot for you guys. But you yourself, sir, what's your relationship with Scott Hall? Yeah, this was a tough one for the WWTT family because actually NWO Machine had an actual friendship with Scott Hall back oh, wow. in the '90s. So, so this really hit hard. Um, they unfortunately lost touch over the the last decade or so because of Scott's issues and things like that. But for me. Um, I funny Will mentioned about uh, Scott being with uh, Kurt Henning because I remember when I was young watching AWA wrestling and seeing a young jacked up Scott Hall tag team with Kurt Henning and thinking he was like the coolest thing that I've seen. And then I watched him go over to the NWA and, and as the diamond stud and then come to as Razor Ramon and then of course the NWO stuff. But my one thing that I always loved about Scott Hall, and he was one of my top five favorites. He just was the coolest dude in wrestling. He brought cool to wrestling. I don't care. It, if I was going to show somebody wrestling, I wanted to show him because I'm like, they're going to think that guy is cool. And and like uh, EJ said, didn't win the world title, but he didn't need it either. Yeah, I feel the exact same way. I didn't watch WWF as a kid. I watched WCW. So the first time I ever saw Scott Hall was when the NWO began their invasion. And so immediately I was like, I hate this guy. <laughs> he, he 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 never shuts up. He he's 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 oozing this machismo, and then he always cheats in every match he's in. I just hate this guy. Uh, but as time went on, I just as I became a smarter wrestling fan, I was like, this dude is so good at what he does. He commands your attention when he holds a microphone. He and Kevin Nash are just money together. Every, everything about him was so good. When he came back to WWE and the NWO reinvaded the WWE. The matches he had with Stone Cold, with The Rock, and with all those guys, I'm like, okay, this, this dude, even at this age in his career, is still doing. And then I got a chance as I got older to go back into archives and watch him as Razor, and I was like, oh my gosh, how was this dude never the world champion? And it's so sad because Bret Hart was around, Undertaker was around, and and honestly, I will say this: if Sean hadn't been who Sean was, and and he wasn't in the company, and it was just Razor, then Razor would have got the shot. But because Sean was around. They, they wanted to put it on the one guy that could probably outshine Razor. But Razor was hands down must-watch TV. So over here, what's up, Marie Shadows? How you doing? You right, we're, Now let's dive into this, 
Let's talk some top 10 favorite heel turns. So what we're going to do is we're each going to name our 10, and then we're going to name our 9, and so forth and so on. And again, just a reminder, we're not doing what we think are the top 10 best. We're doing our personal favorite top 10 list. So without further ado, let's jump into this. Will, I'm going to start with you. What's your number 10? Number 10, my personal heel turn. Seth Rollins bets on himself. So after Evolution loses to the Shield and everything kind of starts to go downhill for the corporation, uh, Triple H implements Plan B and Seth Rollins turns on his brothers with the, the infamous uh, still chair shots in the middle of the ring, joining with Triple H and going there. I feel like for what that did for his career was kind of that next step to show that he could be a solos competitor, he could be on the solo level and continue on the main roster as the number one guy. Did you watch that happen live? I did. How'd you feel feel when it happened? uh, That was after a hiatus for me. There was a a long period of, not a long period of time, but roughly 2006 to 2010, 11-ish, where I hadn't been watching a whole, whole lot of wrestling. So I was still easing back into who that was. And one of the things I enjoyed most was watching those guys come up through the developmental process because at that point NXT reminded me a lot of what the old territory days look like. Right. So to see those guys develop in NXT, then come on the main roster kind of made me excited about the direction wrestling was going again. Awesome. Yeah. All right. EJ, your turn. What's your number 10? Okay. I had to go with this. I I, I was contemplating. There was three options for number 10, but I had to go with the rock in 1998. Joining the corporation, of course, uh, it, le- it led to one of the biggest heel runs in the Attitude Era, one of the biggest. Um, of course, it occurred uh, at Survivor Series 98, where uh, they screwed over mankind, recreating the uh, Montreal screw job. him having the title, then led to a series of legendary matches between him and mankind. And then ultimately, the big match was Stone Cold Steve Austin at WrestleMania 15. I that version of The Rock was, I, in my opinion, was the best. Everyone liked him for his face, you know, his, like when he was the biggest superstar, the face of the company. To me, I think his best work is when he was the heel, when he was a part of the corporation. So I had to go with The Rock in 1998 as my number 10. Did you watch it happen live or is it kind of in a rewatch? Oh, no, I watched that live. Okay. <laughs> and, and again, I'm a heel sympathizer. Uh, I had the biggest smile on my face when that happened. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's that. That's one of the things I want to talk about. Is is heel turns affect everybody differently? And if you love to watch bad guys be bad guys, then you're wanting that to happen. So I completely understand that. And like I said, guys, when you talk about it, go personal with it. How did it hit you? What did you feel about? It? Did you love it? Did you hate it? And and everything else like that. BC, you're number ten, sir. Yeah, for my number 10, I apologize up front. There's going to be a lot of old school stuff, but this is uh, at least in the 2000s. So it's uh, Triple H when he turned on HBK back in 2002. Uh, We all thought we were getting the reformation of DX, which we were pretty excited about. As soon as he uh, starts doing the suck it uh, pose, kicks kicks, uh, HBK in the gut, and the rest is history because it led to one of the best matches that SummerSlam's ever seen with that uh, I guess it was the three stages of hell, I think is what it was. Street fight. The... Uncensored. Uh, no, un, um, oh gosh. Unsanctioned. Unsanctioned street Unsanctioned, fight. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which was just an amazing match. And, uh, you know, you, as you're, as you're looking these up and trying to remember them, 
you you think of some things that you you forgot about and i i still right. remember um triple h when he put michael's head through the window of the car and geez i i, I totally forgotten about that but man that was some vicious stuff so yeah. and for wwe at the time it was a bit more vicious than they usually did so yeah yeah that's that that's my number 10 absolutely 100 percent mm-hmm. uh my number 10 is actually pretty recent it only happened two years ago my number 10 is when bailey came out we thought to confront sasha but she grabbed a steel chair and beat the holy crap out of becky lynch in front of everybody on monday night raw when Be- when Bailey did that, because she had been slowly cheating and trying to keep her title in certain places, but when Bailey did that, I was like, "They're really gonna pull the trigger on this. They're really gonna take hugging, sugar sweet. Everybody loves me. I love all of you. I- Come on, let's have fun. Let's. They're gonna turn Bailey heel." I was like, this is crazy. How how the heck is this gonna work? I thought this is a female John Cena. They'll never turn her heel. They turned her heel. And oh my gosh, I sat there and with every chair shot, I was like, how, 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 how is this going to work? How is this going to be possible? But it blew me away. All, all my heel turns, I had an emotional reaction to them or, or, or in some way, shape or form. So a lot of, a lot of the ones that I have are not from rewatches. They're from seeing them happen in the moment live. So Oh my gosh, when that happened, my first thought was this ain't going to work. But my second thought was if it, if it's not going to work, she's sure trying to make it work because it was so well done. And then, of course, y'all know when she came out and slashed the Bailey buddies and showed that she had chopped her hair and, and everything, I was like, all right, she's committing 100%. She's going to, by hook or by crook, make this work. And I was so dead set this ain't going to work. Holy cow, did it work. She's one of the best heels that we're all begging for her to come back and do what she's been doing for almost two years now. And hopefully, um, it'll happen pretty soon. I know hopefully one of you will probably talk more on it in a minute. This will be the third straight year in a row Bailey will go through a WrestleMania without performing in front of fans. So, she's got the shaft for yeah. three years. So, if she doesn't get somehow involved at WrestleMania, if at least be able to come out at WrestleMania, then probably the Monday night after Raw, or the Monday night Raw after WrestleMania, we should see her. Because it looks like she's almost ready. So, anyway, that's what's going to happen. This time, AJ, we're going to start with you. You're number nine, sir. Okay, number nine is going to go to the ultimate opportunist, the rated R superstar, Edge, 2004, when he turned on his tag team partner, Chris Benoit, in a tag match with La Resistance. Uh, of course, turning on a respect to Chris Benoit, the fans despised him for it. Yep. And of course, the hunger for the world championship just you know it turned him into a monster and you saw a different side of edge and i loved it and eventually it led to many many things for him that were great winning money in the bank cashing in on john cena at new year's revolution right and of course gaining the title back later on in the year after dropping only a few weeks later but he's had multiple world title runs had multiple moments on smackdown and it was a damn shame that he had to call it quits uh, too early. But we've been blessed with a return. And I got to say this, I'm loving his new theme song. I have to put that in there. Mm. <clears throat> but I actually forgot one little moment, this uh, celebration with Lita. I do like that. That was a great <laughs> moment in wrestling history. <laughs> oh, geez. I wish I could uns- I wish I could unsee that. It was oh my gosh. Mr. Oh man. 
Yeah, and by the way, and by the way, guys, when someone gives their take, if you want to comment on or add to it, by all means, do so. Just don't reveal if it's later in your list, but uh, but you know what I'm talking about. BC, you're number nine, sir. That's a good call by EJ. That's a great heel turn. Got to admit, that really changed the the direction of the company. I'd have to say, it so would. good call. I agree. And uh, yeah, the Bailey one that you mentioned, I, I had that one on the short list for sure. So uh, for me, number nine. Y2J turns on HBK back in 2008. <laughs> what else can you say about that? I mean, putting his face through again, what's with trip with uh, HBK getting his face slammed through things. He's a but, magnet uh, for glass, man. He's a magnet <laughs> for glass. I know, I know, but he goes through the Geratron 3000 and uh, smashes that. And, um, and then you get the whole heat with uh, the punch to the wife's face. I mean, it's just crazy what they did. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, that was rated as feud of the year by the Observer. Yes, it was. Yep. Yes, it was. Probably the probably the last time WWE got anything rated by the Observer favorably. So uh, last, that's last, pretty impressive. Last time Uncle Dave had a good take. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, but it, I mean, just that was one where you believed you know you believed that they had that hatred towards each other and the way they led up to it was great too because you were starting to think that hbk was going to turn heel in that whole situation so it really left it open for what's going to happen and of course the matches the matches were phenomenal i mean it's two two of the best that ever did it so yeah that's that's number nine for me guys man that is awesome absolutely over here in the chat, y'all, hey, interact with us. Tell us what you tell us what you think about the picks we're throwing out there. And if you did your own list, let us know what your number choices were as well. My number nine, uh, it'll be four years ago this summer. My number nine, when Be- when Becky Lynch became the man and slapped the heck out of Sasha out of Charlotte Flair. <laughs> oh my gosh, Th- this moment was when I first started coming back to wrestling in the in the fall of that year this had just happened and so because i heard these rumblings of you got to come back to wrestling you won't believe what's happening with the women and that that was one of the things that really was sparked my interest is that the 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 women are stealing the show where i never thought that was possible this is when i was way off in the left field did not care about wrestling anymore at all and this brought me back and so when i came back and saw who the heck is the face of the company now it's a woman and it's this Becky Lynch, and she's calling herself the man. And I was like, what the heck is this? And so I went back and saw the beginning of the heel turn, and I was like, why do they want her to be bad? I love this girl. Everything about her is real, and she's shooting from the hip, and and this is authentic, and I could tell she's not putting on an act. This is the real Becky. And so when I started watching, I was like, whatever sparked this change and created this character that I'm falling in love with right now on the TV Thank you. <laughs> and so uh, when I went back and saw it, I was like, oh, well, I would have slapped her too. I hate I hate Charlotte Flair. So it was just so well done and it, it arguably changed the trajectory of not just women's wrestling in the WWE, but changed the trajectory of, of the fact of a woman can be the face and the top star in the company, which had never happened before. And so I'm thankful that that moment happened. I'm thankful that WWE, although they wanted her to be evil and they wanted Charlotte to be the golden girl baby face, I'm glad finally six months later they listened and said, okay, push the man, push the man, push the man. And they let her be the number one and they let her win the main event of WrestleMania. And she's been top ever since. And only Roman Reigns has been in the same stratosphere as her since 2018. It's been Becky's show. And so I really, really love it. And so that was a big moment. So that's number nine on my list. Will, you're number nine. 
Uh, touching base on a couple so far that are on the list. I think the Edge 04 turn was awesome. Uh, Bailey also on my short list. And Y2J, anytime he's made a hill turn, I feel like could be on any one of these lists. I agree. Um, number nine for me, uh, Andre the Giant wants the belt. We're going to go way back February 1988. Uh, he teams up with Bobby the Brain Heenan. He decides after going undefeated in the territories for as long as he did, he finally wants his shot at the belt. Yep. He at the the contract signing rips the crucifix off of Hogan's oh. chest. It turns into this whole ordeal building up to what WrestleMania three was. Right. So if you look at this hill turn in two perspectives as to what it meant for Andre to turn his back on his best friend and then at Mania three, giving us the birth of Hulkamania. This was such a focal point in what wrestling was leading up to going into the 90s and everything that happened after that point was I, you could go back to the focal point of February 88 when Andre decided he wanted the strap from Hogan. Wow. Okay, I'm going to throw this out there, and I want all y'all's opinion on it. Did Hulkamania begin at WrestleMania 3, or did Hulkamania begin in the AWA? Yeah, I'm going to step in there because I'm going to correct ahead. a couple of yeah I'm going to correct a couple of items on that because um, I take pride in some of the old history there. But it was '87 when he when Andre did the turn on Hogan because uh, it was '88 uh, was when the main event happened when he took main the title event, yeah. off of Hogan. Right. But '87 80, was when he was um, leading up to WrestleMania three, um, and yeah, Hulkamania started in AWA back in 1983. Thank you, Vern Honestly, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, well, thank you, Hulk Hogan, Vern Gagne. Well, yeah, Vern Gagne said, yeah, you can do it. <laughs> yeah, Vern Gagne said, I'll take your T-shirt money, and, I, and then I'll lose, <laughs> I'll lose you to the WWF because of yeah, that. But, right. yeah, I mean, it started in 83 with the Rocky stuff, and then Hogan just himself, and then, then you have 84 is when they exploded when he won the title in WWF. Yeah, but for, an for awesome, sure. awesome heel turn. Awesome heel turn. I say, yeah. my bad on the eighty-seven, eighty-eight. That's no, no, the, no, that's no, no, yeah. no, no. It's fine. It, it happens. I have so many numbers in my head. There is, it's easy to get them crossed. But I say, Will, that was you were. You're just about my age. Do you remember watching that on TV? You were probably three at the time, right? That was a, a rewatch for me. No, I was okay. a, a late eighty-five kid. So uh, that was a rewatch for me going back as to a wrestling fan and then as a young kid having a right. chance to rewatch some of that Hulk Hogan stuff. But uh, I was uh, not quite old enough to see Andre's turn live. No. Gotcha. Okay, yeah. Cause my... Kudos to you, Will. Kudos to you for going back to that too, man. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, like I said, yeah. I, if, if, if I didn't watch it live, it didn't impact me as much. I'll still give it credit for being great, but it's not going to be on my list. But yeah, my earliest wrestling memories, I'm like eight or nine. So because, yeah, that was just one of the first times I saw it. Each, all right, this time uh, we're going to start uh, round number eight, BC, with you. What was your number eight, sir? Yeah, okay, so as I hear you guys saying uh, your age is here, I, I'm going to really age myself because my heel turn comes from 1982. It's uh, the fabulous Freebirds turning on Kerry Von Erich. Oh, oh, man, what history. Yeah, this one, uh, now, I did not see this live. I was a wrestling fan back in the 80s, but I was watching my regional stuff here. I mean, we're talking Atlantic Grand Prix Wrestling here in Nova Scotia at that time. But we used to get recaps of different territories back then before you had the WWF pretend that nobody existed. So we did find out about this. And then, of course, in the age of YouTube, you go back and really find the storyline with this. And, I mean, this this is unbelievable what, what this was a powder keg for. I mean, you've got... 
carry like just the heart of texas going for the world title against flair you got the Freebirds involved playing the baby faces and then all of a sudden one cage slam in the face and how many times do we see cage slams in the face nowadays but right this is the one that this is the one that started it all off if you ask me i agree and then it kicked off a five-year Freebirds von eric's feud which is goes down in history as one of the most unbelievable feuds possible so yeah what um what an amazing one i encourage anyone to go back and check that out and just you want to talk about heat Oh, go watch that and see what Heat is all about. My gosh, yes, I agree. The Freebirds and the Von Erics, there were no bigger rock stars in the state of Texas than them. Yeah. None. Yeah. Absolutely none. I agree one wholeheartedly. My number eight is one of the only ones I did not see live, but it's so impactful to me because it it solidified the final roster of my favorite faction of all time. My number eight is when Roderick Strong turned on Pete Dunne and became the fourth member of the Undisputed Era. When that happened, and I saw that live, the joy in Adam Cole's face and the joy in Kyle O'Reilly's face, and when he ripped off that wrist, that armband and put it up on his wrist, and the whole place popped so loud because, oh my gosh, these four Ring of Honor boys are together now and the foursome has happened. And again, to this day... No other faction has impacted me and made me feel for them like I felt for the original Four Horsemen than the Undisputed Era. There was such a camaraderie, a brotherhood, the way that literally Adam Cole may be the loudest in the group, but at any point, any of them could interchange in tag matches and it's always going to work. They, they, the way they, they entered the ring together, their entrance, their music is... Remember, EJ? The Undisputed is my number one of all time. In, in entrance mm-hmm. themes. So mm-hmm. when that happened, and I watched it, I watched the replay of that, I literally had chills down my entire arm. Like, this is magic. This is going to be a moment that's going to live forever. And in my opinion, and I think Roddy Strong said this, it may have been the biggest moment in his career. He's even said since then, he's never felt anything to the level of, of excitement and what a, what, what a perfect right decision at the right time in my career than doing that. And so... Props to it. Undisputed Era is my favorite faction of all time. And without Roddy Strong, the Undisputed Era would have always been great as three. But with the four of them together, merchandise galore, sell it out the window. Best foursome since the four horsemen of all time to me. So, love that moment. Great, great moment. Will, you're number eight. Number eight on my list, the Yoko Ono of the Superpowers. Uh, coming off of his <laughs> WrestleMania victory, uh, coming off his WrestleMania victory, we saw Macho Man with Miss Elizabeth team up with Hulk Hogan. They become one of the most powerful tag teams of all time. Uh, through kayfabe and not so much kayfabe alike, we see Macho Man's jealousy build with the interaction of other men and Miss Elizabeth. Uh, we've we've all seen the dark side. We've all heard the stories about what actually happened in real life. But even in the story they made this become the thing, which inevitably led to Macho Man turning on Hogan. Right. And uh, I feel like the story buildup and everything behind what happened with that, taking the two biggest stars at the time, putting them together, building a story around it, then the split up. I feel like what we were given was a, a perfect story for a love triangle. And when people say that pro wrestling is a soap opera for men, that's the quintessential example of what that was coming into the late 80s with uh, yep. the superpowers and uh, Miss Elizabeth. 100% agree. Okay, you three guys are old enough to see that. Uh, me and Will are a little young, but we've all gone back and watched it. Who who are you in there? Are you Team Hogan or Team Savage? 
<laughs> oh man i was completely torn on that one because i was a team both and i still have a savage shirt to this day but man i was a hulkamaniac too and um the dastardly move by savage mm. yeah but, but... Uh, i'm i'm team savage 100 i feel like even in uh me and my co-host on botch bots and share shouts bobby mack we go back and forth a lot of times because he's a hulkamaniac you know eat your vitamins you know say your prayers kind of hulk hogan fan and I was always the antithesis of that as a Macho Man fan coming up, right. looking at those two side by side. So I was always the Macho Man side of that versus Hulkmania. So uh, even though I didn't necessarily at four years old really truly understand what was happening on my screen, but for some reason I was, oh yeah, you know, coming off the elbow drop. So I was a Macho Man all the way. Oh, who had the best? Who, who had the better finisher? No question. <laughs> I mean, not even close. <laughs> not even close. <laughs> EJ, same for you, Savage. Oh, yeah. Not only that, that was my first ever live event. Really? WrestleMania 5. I was there. I was six years old. Wow. That nice. was the first ever. I went with my uncle. Wow. And and, then, and that was one of my favorites. And then, obviously, I was there for uh, my second event was SummerSlam 90. Uh, Earthquake, Hulk Hogan. But, yeah, that was my first ever live event. So, I got to witness uh, the Mega Flowers explode live in person. So That's it was incredible. Awesome. It was from the Dose Weeds, but I got to witness it. That's incredible. <laughs> I say over here, uh, uh, PhD Bounce said he was definitely Team Savage. Um, Smack to Raw, Tal said uh, definitely on his list is when Kevin Owens turned on Jericho, the Festival of Friendship. Should be. Oh, every- yeah. And he said that should be everybody's number one. We'll see, Kyle. Hold on a second. We'll see. <laughs> he said, and yes, I know he was already a heel, but that made him a bigger heel. And uh, Allison added, and it made him cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, all right. Uh, EJ, you're number eight, sir. Sorry, I caught you mid swig, but go ahead. <laughs> oh, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, it's my cheat day. Um, my number eight is uh, Big Papa Pump, Scott Steiner, 1998. Turned on his brother, Rick Steiner, at Super Bowl eight in 1998 when they were going against the Outsiders. Back to Scott Hall there. Um, it, Everyone was pretty much in the NWO in 1998. For God's sakes, he had, well, what was it? Michael Wall Street? I forgot what he went through. IRS, like everyone was a part of the NWO. It was getting stale. I think the moment Scott Steiner joined, I think it it made it fresh again. And not only that, we got to see how he was as a tag team wrestler because him and his brother, they were very successful tag team. I enjoyed watching them in the 80s and 90s. I think it was something refreshing for him too, and not only that, he got bigger, he got stronger, and he became a main event uh, star, becoming a world champion. And I enjoyed that version of Scott Steiner. Thought I would never see anything like that. When it first occurred, I was like, how's this going to work? Like, I know he's great, but is he going to be good as a singles guy? But, right. man, did he prove me wrong. And that was a shocking moment. Um I actually was mad. That one I was actually mad at because mm. I enjoyed them as a tag team. But later down the road, it's like, all right, I get it. It was the right move. All right. Wow. That That's a great pick. Man. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, BC. What are you going to say? No, I'm just agreeing. That's a great pick. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. All right. Coming over here. Uh, my number seven. I'll start this round. My number seven is the only other one I didn't watch live. But it's so impactful because it birthed the true nature of my favorite of all time. And that's when Shawn Michaels threw Marty Jannetty through the window. <laughs> when, <laughs> when Shawn Michaels did that, 
If I had watched that live, I probably would have cried my eyes out at being a six-year-old kid watching that. But I didn't. Again, I didn't see it happen and unfold until later, even into my twenties. Because I, when I came, when I started watching Sean, he was already, you know, coming back and was already well established as the Heartbreak Kid. But so going back to watch it and then watching his story after that and unfold, I this is one of the few times I've ever said this out loud. If anybody needed to turn heel to become who they truly are destined to be, Sean had to do that. He absolutely had to do that. No, I'm sorry if you're. I love the Rockers are the Rock and Roll Express of the WWE. They were the high flyers. They were the fun tag team of that era, hundred percent. But if Sean had said, you know what, it's best for my career to put my feelings aside and put what I know I can do aside, and you know what, just stay with Marty and and let's just see what we can do with the tag team. Then you wouldn't have gotten Mr. WrestleMania. You wouldn't have got the Showstopper. You wouldn't have got the Heartbreak Kid. You wouldn't have got uh, the main event. You wouldn't have got the Icon. You wouldn't have got arguably some of the greatest matches of all time. And in my opinion, you wouldn't have gotten the greatest in-ring performer to ever step through those ropes in any promotion of all time. When the bell rang, nobody was good in the ring than Sean. Nobody, in my opinion. And so if you if you really think about that then of all if you think about that in retrospect you're cheering when Sean puts him through that window because he's cutting the dead weight he's cutting the bad gimmick and he's cutting the tag team that's never going to let him grow and he's going to branch out and become the greatest of all time. So thank you Sean for doing that. Thank you for turning heel. I'm the one time going to cheer for that. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> when you think about it like when it comes to every tag team like you got Edge and Christian you always got these tag teams, and when they break up, yeah, you, you know, you have the Marty Jannetty of that tag team, right? That's been turned from that moment. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Well, uh, just to to do a shameless plug, we're rolling an episode tomorrow th- called "Through the Barbershop Glass." Perfect and we discuss, segue. We we discuss tag teams that broke up throughout history, and uh, using that as the example, we talked about Jannetty's career after the breakup of the rockers and we kind of used his as an example of the guys who didn't necessarily have the the rocket that you know their fellow tag team member did yep. so uh, be on the lookout for that that'll be coming uh wednesday launching botch bots and chair shots 100 percent agree just real quick over in the chat phd phd says uh he has on his list when rick flair turned on dusty Rhodes. oh yeah one, 1985. How did I forget about that de- one? Defined the decade. <laughs> de- defined the decade for the oh NWA. Hundred percent, it did. And then he said that definitely made Sean's career. Yeah, Will. I, I, I'm going to listen to that episode because one of the questions I always talk, I always think to myself is, going back looking at when tag teams broke up, is there ever a breakup that you wish you could go back and erase because truly that tag team doesn't work without those two guys. You know, it's one of those things where there's sometimes there's a, there's a tag team that okay you can look at the tag team and go yeah there's a definite A star in this group and he and he would be better as a singles competitor but other times you look at them and go oh they're losing their money by breaking up I, I get I get there's some there's some selfishness okay perfect example Ricky and Robert the Rock and Roll Express do not work as singles they don't work they only work. As, as a tag team. And I would probably say, okay, I hate them, but can you picture Matt and Nick Jackson as singles competitors only? Or are they always supposed to be the Young Bucks? 
I, I just th those are tag teams I think of. And if you guys want to throw some examples out there real quick of tag teams that if they were singles competitors, they would never make the money or be as big as they are when they're a tag team. Hmm. Yeah, I completely I would agree. Yeah, I mean, demolition. Ahead, There's demolition. One, right? yeah. Yeah. Bingo, yes, yeah. that's yeah, one. Yeah, even even the Road Warriors, Hawk and Animal, they got to be together. Yep. You know, they're yep. both awesome. The, now on the other side, you got somebody like the Brain Busters, where you had Tully and Iron, who are both amazing singles competitors. Right. But yeah. Usually, there's one or the other is is the way to go. Uh, another good example of that, uh, Bama, for you is uh, the Dudley Boys. Both of them had mm -hmm. good singles runs, but when you really think about who Devon and Bubba Ray were, you think of them collectively as a tag team, almost the same way you do the Hardy Boys. I, I, you know, both had great runs, but they were they were the tag team. I'll push back slightly. Bully Ray had a great run. Devon did nothing. <laughs> Devon needed Fair Bully. Enough. So, so yeah. No, but I agree with you. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Uh, here, okay, here's here's one I want to throw out, and you guys give me your honest feedback. The Hardy Boys. I have, they can succeed as singles, but aren't they better when they're the Hardy Boys? They're better. I I don't want to spoil too much for my episode because I want you guys to listen. But okay. I said that you see some parallels here with uh, the Legion of Doom. You had one guy that was really business smart, really savvy, and then you had a loose cannon. Right. And ironically, in separate cases, the loose cannon for one and right. Jeff Hardy had a much better solo career, at least in WWE, WWF. Okay, Will, you're number seven, sir. Number seven is a, another replay for me, but I feel like the next two on my list have teacher versus student uh, stories along with them, but very different outcomes for both of them. Mm -hmm. uh, so for my number seven, we're going 1987. Uh, we're going to the AWA. Uh, Austin Idol turns his back on his mentor. So oh. you've got Jerry Lawler in a back and forth with Nick Bonkwinkle for the AWA title. Uh, eventually leading up to Austin Idol's approach of you're not the man for this. Let me be the one to take the strap. I feel like this build up with Idol following Lawler as his mentor and the build up to the story and then costing Lawler his shot at Bachwinkle and then the build up that led to a cage match. Because if you think about where we were at in 1987, a cage match was still a spectacle when they mm -hmm. came around. So the build up to what that was in the story I feel like, once again, I feel like a broken record a lot of times, but this kind of storytelling isn't being told in modern wrestling. Right. So so this was one of those stories that when you think about the names involved, Jerry Lawler, Austin Idol, Nick Bockwinkle, AWA, Steel Cage Match, you can't help but think that is pro wrestling at its core. And I feel like this was one of those uh, those hill turns that kind of gave us that story because yeah. it helped close the Bockwinkle story and then opened up the, the rivalry between Idol and Lawler to close out the run in the, the late 80s. That's a good one, man. That's a good one, 100%. EJ, you're number seven. I'm going to stick with the name of Austin, but a different type of Austin. Stone Cold Steve Austin at 2001, he'll turn at the biggest match of the year, uh, biggest match and the biggest event of the year, WrestleMania, Rock Austin, Astro Durham, 90-plus thousand people. Um I'll tell you, I suspected something from the start when Howard Finkel said that it was a no DQ match. Yep. I thought something was immediately up. Okay. I personally thought Rock 2.0. We're going to get the corporate Rock again. So I was excited. I'm like, all right, let's go. Let's go. What's going to happen? And then 
you had the classic match between the two, and then out comes Vince McMahon. Doing the Vince McMahon strut down that long <laughs> ramp. Goes into the ring, and then he helps Austin. <sighs> Helping him beat The Rock. And then the, the moment that we thought we would never see, him, Steve Austin, and Mr. McMahon shaking hands. And it, it was a moment I would never forget. I was stunned. I... I got work. No pun intended. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I couldn't believe that. I, I was shocked. Uh, but you know what? That led to, it was a short heel run, but it was good. I thought it was personally good. And I liked the two-man power trip that came out of it with him and Triple H. And it, it, what, um, it led to a great feud with the Hardy Boys. I, I liked that spot. And the one thing I, I would like to add is the thing that got the most heat uh, it was a few nights after uh, WrestleMania on SmackDown when JR went to interview him to pretty much, you know, explain himself for his actions, not only Sunday night, but also on Monday night. And then when they beat the piss out of JR, mm. had been this man coming out and said, open him up. And then he pretty much opened up JR's forehead. And that pretty much solidified. That was pretty much the moment, you know, he's healed. Yeah. And. And like I said, it wasn't the most successful heel run, but it was a shocking moment. It was something that you would never see. These two were feuded for three plus years, and here they are. They were teaming together. It it couldn't get any better than that. Wow. Mr. BC Hunter, you're number seven. Yeah, I. Uh, it's funny. I thought about that Austin heel turn, but it didn't make my list because wow, okay. touched yeah, EJ touched on it. It just, it just didn't feel like the fans wanted him to turn. Was the problem? I mean, in the state crazy. of Texas. Yeah, it was crazy to see Austin and McMahon together, but just it, it, it was short lived. And although I did, I loved the two man power trip as well. And and the match they had with Jericho and Benoit that really put those guys over was amazing. So if only mm -hmm. Triple H hadn't got injured, what would have happened? Wow. But yeah. My number seven is, uh, and great minds think alike uh, here, Will, it's Macho Man Savage turning on Hulk Hogan in 1989. I mean, that's probably in the peak of my wrestling uh, love is is 86 to 89. And uh, that's, uh, that was an unbelievable story. It was a year-long turn when you think about it. Because even at, even at WrestleMania 4, they hinted around to something because – Hogan helped Macho win. And there he is. He's in the ring with Macho during his great celebration at WrestleMania 4 when he should have been center stage, but you had Hogan there. And then you had Hogan with Elizabeth at SummerSlam, and he hoisted her up on the shoulders. And then you had Hogan with Elizabeth at Saturday night's main event. And it just, it was just subtle. Everything was subtle. It was amazing. Yeah. Like even it's Survivor Series. I remember there was a point where he Hogan just had his hand on, on Liz's back. And you could just see Savage look over, kind of like, what are you doing there, brother? And uh, it was just all these subtle things. This is like Will said, this is classic storytelling that you Very don't get anymore. That's a that's a year-long storyline that they did, yeah. which the whole year they were able to build Savage up. And I'm going to put this out there. I put this as one of Hogan's best matches. This is match Agreed. at WrestleMania 5 with Macho. I've watched that a ton of times. And the work rate in that match is fantastic. I mean, you know, he's Savage is leading the charge, but he's also doing it with a pretty banged up elbow at the time, too. So, yeah, that that one is a great storyline. 100% agree. Very, very well done. Yeah. Every now and then you'll get a long-term story today. Uh, 
Longest one right now is, of course, the uh, the build with Paul Heyman and Roman Reigns. But yeah, there's just not a lot of not a lot of patience. And I don't think it's patience on the fan side. I think if it's good, we'll stay around for it. I think the talent are impatient. I think they want to get moving. I think they yeah. don't. I, th I think they'd rather have spots and have big matches than tell the long burn that they're probably going to be remembered for if they dared to do it. And that's why yeah. I, that's why as much as I hate his guts right now, I appreciate Roman Reigns is saying every week a little bit more. A little bit more. We're gonna look back on this in five, six years and go, "Holy cow!" It's yeah. oh, so well done, so well done. All right, Will, we're gonna start with you this time. Number six. It's funny that you bring up Roman Reigns because I get to to use a line that I have written down here, and I'm so glad that I get to say it now. We don't talk about Bruno. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, I'm going to go back to 1980. Uh, I, I hear that in my house nonstop now, dude. Nonstop. I'm, uh, I'm so glad that I wrote that down and I get to say it on the air. I cannot Beautiful. wait for the kids to hear that. Um, we don't talk about Bruno. So we're going to go back to 1980. We've seen Bruno's run over 2,000 days as a WWF champ with three W's back that far. Uh, so when people talk about Roman having a 500-day reign, 550, 600 days, I'm still thinking that you multiply that by three and add another 15%, and you're still just now touching what Bruno did. Unbelievable. Like the, long, the longevity of what he did as a champion. So we're going to forget all of that. We're getting towards 1980 here. Um, we've had a situation where the student and teacher combo again, but this time it's Larry Zabisco and Bruno San Martino. And what we see is the buildup between the two of them in classic shoot style wrestling. They're in the middle of the ring. They're going back and forth. But Bruno always gets the upper hand. And then we look at 1980. What happens is where we were at in wrestling with things happening in Detroit, things happening in Memphis, the birth of brawling and hardcore wrestling. Yeah. We finally see Zabisco snap and he gets that chair. And we see him take the chair to Bruno in the middle of the ring for the first time in a New York territory. And everybody collectively was like, holy crap like yep. bruno was the italian god you yep. know what i mean so for that to happen on everybody's tv they were like man this change like it made him look human yeah you know what i mean it's very much if you want to look at brock lesnar on the stairs in madison square garden this could have been that moment in 1980 100 percent absolutely forget on the undercar of that big match too you had hogan andre <laughs> That was an That's amazing, true. amazing card when you think about it. Yeah. Cover your ears, kids. Uh, WrestleMania 3, that's not the first time Hogan slammed him. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean that's not the first time? Yeah, he actually did it like three times before that. <laughs> but anyway, EJ, you're number six, sir. All right, my number six is Mr. McMahon. 1997 is where I'm going to say. Montreal Screwjob. Yeah, uh. it started with that. For years, he was the voice of the WWF. And one of my favorites, because obviously he was my childhood uh, commentator next to JR. But this was the first time you got to see him other than the commentator. Um, it started with that, and then it went on to the feud with uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Um, which was by arguably one of the best rivalries in wrestling history, boss versus employee. I mean, who everyone said it perfectly. Who who didn't want to knock out their boss? Yes. And you got to see it on a weekly basis on Monday Night Raw. That's why it worked. Yes. It definitely worked. Yes. <laughs> and I think that rivalry, not only that character, it, it, it did help save the company because think about it. In 1997, they were drowning 
they were drowning. It looked like it, it was the end for WWF. Yeah. Uh, under the commitment with Bret Hart, which resulted in the screw job. Yep. Um, but it, that character and the feud helped save the company. And then that character was around for many of years as he feuded with The Rock, his own son. Yep. And then my one of my favorite rivalries, 2006 with DX, Bobby Lashley. It kept going and going. Yep. And now he's just a heel behind the scenes where people complain <laughs> on Twitter about the <laughs> decisions he makes. But overall, I he's one of my favorites. It stinks I have him at six, but for the reason of my list is as far as longevity. Yeah. And I don't have Austin on it, but it is longevity uh, for my list. But personally, he would be number one, but he is number six. Based on my criteria. I understand. 100% I understand. BC, you're number six, sir. Number six, Sergeant Slaughter turns on America. What a moment. Oh. What a moment. USA! USA! <laughs> Man. I mean, if you're going to have a heel turn, I want heat piled on top of heat, piled on top of heat, piled on top of heat. And that's what you had. The only thing he didn't do, because they just said it's just too much, too much, is they didn't burn the American flag. Right. But they, but they did the wrestling equivalent of that. They burnt Hulk Hogan's Hulk Rules T-shirt. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, this is unbelievable. The, and you know, just, I mean, he had to have protection where he was going. He was getting death threats, and he was all for. It. He took it on, man. Like that. That's that's saying a lot. And, and in 1990, we're not talking kayfabe 1980. We're talking 1990 when the, you know, the genie was out of the bottle basically, but uh, there was heat involved with that. He did such a great job. He was so into it. I still remember when he got presented those fancy boots from Saddam Hussein, it just, uh, just made you so mad. Mm. And then he's teaming up with the iron Sheik, and then, Oh, geez. Unbelievable. Yeah. So, and then you cap it off with the, the match at WrestleMania seven, uh, my co-host NWO Machine, he says it's his favorite match of all time. So, wow. I mean, this is just just unreal, unreal. So, kudos to Sergeant Slaughter. I'm taking that heat on. My gosh, yeah, I was too young to appreciate it. Looking back, I'm like, how the heck did he get away with this in the patriotic era of the '80s? Too Rocky versus Ivan Drago. Oh, I mean, good grief! Why the heck? Are... <laughs> but they went there, and man, did it work! My gosh, he did was GI Joe. He, he was. was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, PhD said, I'm showing my age, but Ted DiBiase turning on Junkyard Dog. Yes. Oh, that yeah. was a big wow. one. Mark Henry, yeah. Mark Henry says that that got him into wrestling was that moment. Yeah. He saw that happen live. All right. My number six. One of you guys stated it already. June 9th, 2008. Y2J puts HBK through the TV. When, when that happened, I watched it happen live. When that happened, I said, oh, no, you did not. Oh, no, you did not. I was so enraged. I was so enraged that, and and then, because because the whole thing of it is, you don't know if he's hurt legit or not. Because you can't fake a screen exploding in your face. There's only, there's only so much you can do unless he has a helmet on and you just don't see it, but he doesn't. So Sean took that thing flush. He made it look as real as possible. So now the, every single week you're like, this could be legit real. He could really be hurt and really be making and really be doing this. And then I agree. Though somebody said it. When he hit Rebecca, 
I was like, this is game over. This dude better beg for every last breath he's going to get after this. Because if that's my girl, you are dead man walking. And when he put him in that stipulation and said, the things I want to do to you cannot be sanctioned, so we're going to have an unsanctioned match, I was like, oh, this is so masterful. This is so well done. I was so emotionally invested. It was feud of the year. HBK and Y2J... The mentor and the mentoree, Y2J's forever said HBK is his greatest inspiration. Magic, pure magic. Start all the way back at WrestleMania 19 and their first go around and building it all the way those years later. So well done. So well done. So emotional. They did phenomenal work together. Loved it. All right. Uh, let's see. This time, EJ, we're going to start with you. Number five. All right, uh, Will already had this on his list. Okay. Uh, this is my number four, Andre the Giant, nineteen eighty-seven. Um, to me, this term, uh, this term was completely unexpected. Uh, as we all knew at that at that point, Andre was unbeatable. Um, this was uh, three years into Hogan's reign as world champion. Um, the turn obviously occurred on Piper's Pit in nineteen eighty-seven, where uh, Hogan was out there to accept the trophy. And then out came Andre the Giant. You think he was going to come out to congratulate Hulk Hogan? That wasn't the case at all. Came out with Bobby the Brain, Brain Healing and said he wanted to challenge Hogan for the world championship. He felt like he was uh, being taken advantage of. He wasn't given an opportunity, and he wants an opportunity. Of course, he rips the shirt, get, rips the, craw- uh, the chain off uh, Hogan's uh, neck, uh, cutting him. And that iconic moment where Piper you know, takes a little bit of blood and shows that, hey, you're bleeding, Hogan, and asked him straight out, are you going to accept this challenge? And when he screamed yes, you got the uh, one of the biggest matches in WrestleMania history, Pontiac Silverdome. I, I didn't make a mistake like he did in 2014. I got the right dome this time. <laughs> 93,000. If it were for this match, they wouldn't have sold 93,000 seats or tickets to that show right people wanted to see this and it was make or break because the first two wrestlemanias were okay this was the big one the first stadium show and you had to have yep. a match like this to headline it for people to put their asses in the seats and it did yes it, and it resulted to a year-long feud because it wasn't just that match you had that classic match at main event where andre I guess you would say pinned Hogan, even though the referee didn't see his shoulder go up, but, and then he surrendered the title to T- DiBiase resulting into the uh, tournament at WrestleMania four. And then again, you got another match between them. So you yeah. got a three match, three matches from that turn right there. Right. And obviously he was a heel for a couple more years till he finally turned on the Heenan family at WrestleMania six. But to me, it, it was memorable because Look what happened. Yeah. I know you said that was Hulkamania born at WrestleMania 3? No, it went to the next level. Yes, it at did. WrestleMania 3. Yes, it did. Wholeheartedly, 100%. What a moment. What a moment. BC, number five, sir. Uh, now that I've just heard the, uh, the last couple of uh, numbers there that we talked about, I'm starting to think that Earl Hebner might have the two greatest heel terms. In, uh, <laughs> In history, <laughs> you got the double, the twin referee situation '88, then you got the Montreal screw job. So a couple mm-hmm. of heel turns there, but I didn't put him on my list. But 
Speaking of Bret Hart, number five, we're number five, right? Yes. Yeah. All right. So for me, uh, this is my favorite match of all time. I, this is probably a culmination of a heel turn is what I'll call it. It's not like just a straight up heel turn, but it's the double turn of Brett and Austin at WrestleMania 13. Top, my top just, three. My top three. Yeah. Unbelievable it, match. It, it would be higher for me for the heel turn, but to me, again, it was a culmination, plus Brett was still playing face in our country, so he wasn't technically a heel, right? So, But, I mean, this is just... I always just go rave about this match because it's just perfection. I it mean, is. just the way they, they they laid this out. And not just the wrestlers, but the announcers. You could hear the announcers turning these guys in the middle of the match. And yes. I full props, full props to JR on this one. The way he would just talk about Austin. Austin's a stud, and you know, and just walking a mud hole, you know, kicking a mud hole in him and walking to yes. dry and all this stuff. And that's where it all started with. So yeah. And then, of course, Brett just he Brett just didn't make it obvious. It was just little things through the match yes. until we finally got to the end where he wouldn't release the hold, and then he's going at it with Shamrock. And then he did the ultimate thing that a heel does: he powdered when he should have stood up to Shamrock. So, yep. hey, man, like that's I give. I mean, Brett's probably he's he might be my favorite all time. You know, it's between Brett Hogan, you know, Macho, those guys. But man, that was such a good match. I loved it. Uh, that was great. One of the greatest matches ever. My number five, February 22nd, 1998. My favorite tag team of all time breaks up when Scott turns on Rick Steiner. Oh my gosh, I was heartbroken. I was so heartbroken. There have been, there've been tiffs and there have been tag team matches where Scott would never tag his brother in and there were matches where Rick got the pin and Scott would get mad about it because Scott wanted to get the pin. I'm like, guys, work this out. You're the greatest tag team ever. Work this out. Nobody has a better tag team finisher than your bulldog off the top rope. This is the best tag team in the history of the world. Y'all got to work this out. All of a sudden, this crazy dude comes to the ring, attacks Rick Steiner. I have no clue who it is. I just know he's got these this crazy bl- platinum white hair and this weird new singlet. I'm like, apparently he's with the NWO. Who's their 500th member? Who is this guy? No, it's not. No, it's not. Dude, tears. Tears. <laughs> I was heartbroken. It was a punch to the gut. I was like, this can't be happening. Not this. I was so broken. My favorite tag team of all time. And whatever they did since then, in the moments they reunited, their TNA run together where they were doing that stuff. But the the Steiner Bros were never the same. They were that they they could not get the magic back in the bottle after that moment because now Big Papa Pump has created this new character. Big Papa Pump will never fit with the Dogface Gremlin again. The, 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 two me- the two personalities will never, the pieces will never fit the way they used to fit. The brothers will never be the Steiner brothers again. And it crippled me. So, my gosh, when Scott turned on Rick, part of my childhood just died. It was so painful for me. Hated it. Hated it. Hated it. Rick, I mean, Will, you're number five. Uh, number five for me. Paul Bear turns his back on the dead man. Um, looking wow. at this, it's one of those typical things where it's not really a hill turn because when you look at where it was at, 96 SummerSlam, Boiler Room Brawl, Mankind versus Undertaker, uh, the story build up to those two and then Paul Bear eventually turning on Undertaker. When you think about who Taker was as the character, building up to that turn and losing his mouthpiece and losing that manager – 
and kind of giving him that push. Like it's one of those, it kind of changed wrestling yes. in that sense right there. I agree. Um, it also, you also look at what it did for mankind. Um, I've been on record of saying it and I'll say it a thousand times over. The world does not deserve Mick Foley. Wow. Like the man, like he's a phenomenal guy, great wrestler. Like he's one of the greatest people to ever do it. And one of the greatest wrestlers to ever do it. He's my number one all time personally. Yeah. Not greatest of all time, but my personal favorite wrestler of all time, Mick right. Foley. So I feel like that helped him get that push as well to kind of to get over that hump as mankind in the WWF because he had, had seen such success as Cactus Jack previously. Right. So this was his first real chance to show he could be that guy in the WWF and having a chance to get over on the dead man with Paul Bear gave us that moment. Yeah, I actually ju- I'm watching I'm rewatching the Attitude Era now because I didn't watch it live, like I said earlier. And so I'm, I'm at the point now where The Undertaker, to not reveal the younger brother, has gone back to be with Paul Bearer. And so I, that just happened on the episode I just watched of Running Night Raw. Paul Bearer was such a good heel. Oh my gosh, I, I wanted to smack him every single time he was on screen as a heel. Even as a baby face, you're like, Undertaker, why do you have this dude following you around? What You're the Undertaker. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I 100% agree. Well, well played, Will. All right, BC, we're going to come down to you. You're number four. Yeah, okay, I won't go too long on this one because we uh, two of the other three have mentioned this already, but it's Andre turning on Hogan in 1987. Okay. Um a couple of things I'll, I will mention about this. Number one, and this is why I call this guy the greatest sports entertainer, wrestling personality of all time, Bobby Heenan. All Andre had to do was walk out into Piper's pit with Bobby Heenan. You knew he was a heel. Mm. That's all he did. It, legitimacy given to him right there. And not only that, you knew he was the top heel. So that's all it took. So that was amazing. Uh, EJ mentioned it earlier, that, that iconic line by Piper when he has the blood, he looks at Ho, he goes, you're bleeding. You know, like that's just, this, this to me, like it was a great point made when he said, this is what catapulted Hulkamania. Also, this is the point where you could see um, WWF went from sports, or went from wrestling to sports entertainment at right. this point, because this is where they started to get into the drama. They got into the, the big scope size of things. You, even that Hogan, yes. If you remember that, it wasn't just a yes. It was an echoing yes all through the yes. arena, right? So, they, so they sweetened the yes. So, I mean, this is all Vince production. And then you roll into WrestleMania 3 and the 93,000 or 70, whatever it was, you know, depending on who you ask. But um, whatever it was, it was a giant crowd. So that's the main thing. And it just changed wrestling forever. So, yeah, this was really important. But, again, I just love the fact that Bobby Heaney just walks out with him and there you go, top heel. Yeah, that just recently happened again with Paul Heyman and Roman Reigns. Right, exactly. Same effect. Okay, how can we turn Roman and it's believable? Pan the camera a little bit to the right. Oh, there's Paul Heyman. (laughs) He didn't didn't even say a word. All he said was, believe that. That's all he said. So well done. I'll tell you how good good Paul Heyman is. My wife doesn't even like wrestling. She hates Paul Heyman. (laughs) Yep, yep. 100%. 100%. So well done. Great, great commentary on that. My number four. Another pretty recent one. January 27th, 2020. 
Let's reunite Art Rated RKO one more time. Nope. Let's RKO you in the middle of this ring, Mr. Just Come Back from Injury of 10 Years with a Neck. Oh my gosh. The wind got sucked out of me. The, the, I, at this point, guys, I'm, let's see, 2020. So at this point, I'm, I'm 35 years old. So I'm watching this, fully knowing the business, fully knowing that these guys are trying to entertain and trying to make me believe. But at that moment, I thought, okay, I don't care how safe you are. I don't care how good you are at taking a bump. Please, God, let him be okay. I, I It literally made me afraid. I was like, oh my gosh. And then when he went and got the chairs, I'm like, oh, no, no, no. I don't, no. I don't, if you slip one inch, one inch, dude. No, you don't do, don't, don't. He got me and I could not wait for that last man standing match. And it, thank God, it was the only match in front of no people, the way they did it, I didn't care. I didn't care. It was so well done. So well done. Mm-hmm. Love that match. Love that match. Will, you're number four. Uh, number four for me, Marty Jannetty gets a haircut. We've all watched <laughs> this point. So uh, I don't want to uh, – I'm not going to go too deep into it because we've all talked about it. For me personally, why this made my list was – when you think about who HBK became as a person after the Rockers broke up, it changes everything about his character. Yes. Like he became the heartbreak kid. He eventually evolved into who became with DX, everything he did with Hunter. You take all of that into consideration. It all started right there on that episode when it happened. And he put him through the window and he said, look, this is who I am now. I'm developing myself. I'm the guy. And I feel like from that moment on, it was all about the heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels, who, in my opinion, coming off of Mick Foley, is my number two favorite superstar of all time. I'll respect that. I'll respect that. Okay. I, I agree wholeheartedly. <laughs> EJ, you're number four. Okay. My choice is someone that it's already been chosen on their list. It is the man I considered the Ric Flair of the 90s, the Iron Man, the man that saved the new generation, in my opinion, Bret Hart, 1997. Now, I got a question for you guys. When would you pinpoint the exact heel turn for Bret Hart? Would you say WrestleMania 13? No. No. What would you say? Royal Rumble. Okay. I I think the moment he pushed Vince McMahon, I think, was the... the, So a little bit after that. Yeah. What's that? So a little bit after the Rumble. Oh, yeah. That's the part where I felt like, to me... That was the part where I was like, all right, he's becoming heel. And when it finally happened with the double turn of WrestleMania 13, great moment for both guys. And the USA versus Canada, I'm sorry, BC, but, you know. (laughs) Again, this was during the moment where WWE was suffering. And it was things with the man and, you know, with the screw job. But before that, it was this. It was USA. First Canada. Yes. And then you had the uh, Patriot, Del Wilkes. I mean, a Canadian Stampede, probably one of my favorite pay-per-views of all time. Yeah. Uh, I, I was a big fan of that pay-per-view, the whole pay-per-view. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that whole run all the way up till obviously, the Montreal Screwjob, it was one of his best work. Uh, it was a damn shame what happened. But I, we at least we got to appreciate – I appreciate for everything he did – all the way up to the end. But I thought he was a better heel, in my opinion, than he was a face. I agree. 
EJ, uh, don't apologize, buddy. Us Canadians are all trying to immigrate down to the U.S. from our dictator. Over here, Allison said, uh, Bobby heard that in Florida, and Will, he's rolling his eyes at you right now. <laughs> Bobby of- needs to realize one thing that Bret Hart – I'm not even going to, I'm not going to take, this is your show, Bama. I'm just going to say these words right now. Bret Hart is a better technical wrestler than Hulk Hogan. I'm just going to leave it at that. 100%. 100%. He's That's all that. I've ever argued. Bobby is hysterically stuck on this thing where I'm going to, I'm going to throw my co-host under the bus here, but I swear like Bret Hart is one of the most technical wrestlers to ever do it. The, the excellence thing, of execution for a reason. Hulk Hogan, oh my gosh. Hulk Hogan's biggest thing was he could talk on the mic better than anybody. But yes. if you take a look at the big scheme of what he did, Bret Hart, technically speaking in the ring was a better wrestler than Hulk Hogan. And 100%. This hill. I'm a, sorry. I love you, BC. That's a small <laughs> hill to die on. That's a small hey. hill to die on. <laughs> They're both my favorites, so don't worry about it, brother. <laughs> Hulk Hogan can sell like a, a villain, though, I'll tell you that. Yeah. Yes, he can. <laughs> yeah. That is a shame. We got a few spots, but we never got a full-on Bret Hart Hogan match, did we? Not a real one. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. I think at WCW they teased it, but they never pulled the trigger, So, which is sad. They should have. All right. Uh, let's see. Beastie started number four, so I'm starting number three. Number three can be summed up in one phrase. He's the third man! <laughs> July 7th, 1996. Hulk Hogan comes down to Bash at the Beach in his red and yellow. He gets in the ring. He rips the shirt. Hall and Nash back up. Okay, we're ready for a fight. We're ready for a fight. He drops the leg drop on his best friend, the macho man, Randy Savage. I didn't watch it live, but I watched the Nitro after it happened, and when I saw the replay clips, I literally was like, you've got to be kidding me. I was an 11-year-old kid, and I could not believe that the Hulk Hogan that I cheered for in the red and yellow on WCW, and the guy that came down and would body slam people and 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 drop that leg drop and he and sting were thick as thieves and he and savage were thick as thieves and there's no bigger bastion in the world of professional wrestling everybody who doesn't even watch pro wrestling knows who hulk hogan is and he just aligned with these thugs are you out of your mind what is wrong with you hogan changed the business forever 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 could not have. We, we had the debate on one of our previous shows. Could anybody else have been the third man? It's a short list that could have been almost as impactful. Nobody could have made as bigger a reverberation in the waters with throwing that rock in the water than Hulk Hogan being the third man. It was perfectly designed, perfectly executed. Props to you, Hogan, for a masterful heel turn. And I got to tell you, every time I saw your face after that for years, I wanted to turn the channel. I hated him. I hated him. He was so, so good at being Hollywood Hulk Hogan. And honestly, guys, looking back, this is how this is how good he did it. When you say the name Hulk Hogan to me, I almost picture black and white more than red and yellow now. He was that good at, at imprinting in my brain that character, which I never thought I'd ever say. The red and yellow is like the first thing that I see. But then black and white comes in like right behind it. Right behind it. Like literally within a split second. Nobody else could do that but Hulk Hogan. Unbelievable job. So, hands down. 
Hogan turning on WCW. Will, number three. Number three, Montreal and the birth of Mr. McMahon. Um, we've It's been on the list a few times, but for me personally, why this made my list. My top three are all things that I watched live and affected me personally as a wrestling fan. So November 1997, I'm 12 years old. I am watching Bret Hart go against Shawn Michaels. The confusion of what happened in the ring. The Brett Hawk and the Loogie in his face, WCW yep. on the screen, all of it together, even with the fact that we know it's a work. But as a 12 year old getting worked up at what I'm seeing, I remember going, what did I just right. watch happen? Yes. It was one of my earliest times as a wrestling fan going, I'm not sure that was supposed to go that yes, way. Yes. And that was one of my first moments in my head. So when I think about Hill turns, once again, this might not be the traditional good guy to bad guy thing, right. but it was the birth of one of the most villainous Hills that we saw post 1995 in wrestling and the birth of the Mr. McMahon character. 100%. A little spoiler alert. Uh, the next episode of this or that coming up here in the near future, uh, we're covering the attitude era. And the Montreal Screwjob is going to have a very profound moment in that discussion. So I'm looking forward to talking about that. Uh, over here, real quick in the chat, um, uh, Marie Shadow said, 100% Brett greater than Hogan. Yes, thank you. We'll say it again. We'll say it again. EJ, you're number three. Uh, my number three, like I said, I was at WrestleMania 5. That was my first event ever. Uh, this one, I was there also live WrestleMania 15, when Triple H turned on DX and yeah. joined the corporation. Oh. Oh. <laughs> I, I, I wish you, I didn't see that coming, but I was happy because I knew he had it in him to be that guy. And you saw the progression as it went out th throughout the summer, which led to SummerSlam. Yep. When he snapped and beat the hell out of Austin, putting him out of commission for a little bit of time. But going back, let me go back for a moment. The interview we had with Jr. when he said he was the effing game. Yeah. That was one of the best promos in the Attitude Era. Now, let's go forward now. And also, after the night after SummerSlam, when he won his first title. And from that point forward, it, he's just numerous world titles, biggest feuds. And he pretty much ran the show as the top heel. <clears throat> Till 2006, when he reunited with Shawn Michaels uh, and reformed DX. But to me, he is one of the biggest heels. Uh, I think he's got the, one of the greatest minds in the history of the sport. Um, to me, I, and again, this is my personal favorite, if it wasn't Ric Flair, Triple H would be my top heel of all time. Cerebral assassin, man. Yeah, I 100% agree. Well, BC, let's segue now. You're number three. Yeah, number three. This has been mentioned before, but... I would say this could possibly go down as one of the best laid out heel turns ever. And it's uh, the barbershop and Sean throwing Marty through we the window. We all four have I mean, it. We all four have yeah. it. All right. I mean, this is done so well. And again, uh, I'm going to give some props to my guy, Bobby Heenan here, because it's probably sparked my favorite lines that I've ever heard. <laughs> when, number one, when he's talking about when they look like they're going to stay together, it's like, see, they're not one without the other is no good. <laughs> And then yep. he throws it through the window. And with the line, like, Janetti tried to jump through the window to get away from Michaels. <laughs> I mean, that, that is a heel, justifying heel actions. And yep. that yep. was phenomenal. But, yeah, I mean, it's 
a lot of people forget that what really torpedoed the whole Marty thing was his drug issues yes. and him get suspended. Yeah. Yes. They were lined up to fight at WrestleMania for the IC title, which would have been interesting to see where Marty's career would have went from there. But right. he torpedoed himself and yes. it's unfortunate. And then after that, just it went all downhill. I mean, he had that comeback and I, I still love the fact because I was a huge Guns N' Roses fan. So I love when Marty showed up in a GNR shirt uh, <laughs> back in 93. Blew my mind, but I, it just didn't have the momentum. And right. it's unfortunate. But meanwhile, Michaels just skyrocketed and mm. just he became the man. So, yes. yeah, but that, but as far as a heel turn, that was laid out beautifully. And again, the announcers, Heenan just did a perfect. Yeah. Chef's kiss for that one, right? Yeah, I love it. They're 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 too good together. Oh, I knew he was gonna do that. I knew he was gonna do that. <laughs> you can't. Yeah, every, every just just sit back and just just sit back and just don't say or just listen to brain talk. It is. I know. It's so classic. It is so perfect. One hundred percent. This time, um, uh, Will, we're gonna start with you. Number two. Number two for me, uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin makes a deal with the devil. WrestleMania 17, uh, we see him and Rock 2 for that title. Uh, just taking a second, discussing what WrestleMania 17 was as a pay-per-view. Uh, arguably one of the best manias, at least in my opinion, one of the best manias of all time yep. uh, behind three. I think three, in my opinion, was the best mania so far to date. 17, a very close second. But you look at the total matches on that card and everything that happened that night building up to rock Austin too. And when we got there, we finished that match and then Austin literally made a deal with the devil with the chair shots on the rock, winning the title back, joining the corporation, everything that was stone cold from the time he won King of the ring all the way up till that moment and joining with McMahon, like as a kid yeah. watching it happen. Yeah. I was like, wow. Okay. Like, yeah. You get it. That that was a personal like stab in the heart for me as a Stone Cold Steve Austin fan. Yeah, one hundred percent. Fun fact: I don't know if any, you, one of you guys may want to continue harping on this. If you've got it in your list somewhere, Austin has gone on record to say if he could go back, the moment Vince puts his hand out, he would have stunned him. He, he said he wished he hadn't done it. He said he he did it. He did it mm-hmm. for. He did it because in his mind, I can't get any bigger than this. So I might as well do something drastic. But then he also said with the injuries he was starting to have, he couldn't be the go, go, go guy anymore. He needed to be a heel where he could be backstage more and be in a, a heel tag team and get somebody else to do the dirty work and all of that. He wanted to protect his injuries. But he said, looking back, knowing in the state of Texas, the biggest match of my career, the Stone Cold Pop I would have gotten everything. He said, the moment Vince did it, I should have stunned him. I should have stunned him because then the, it would have been just I would have got I would have got the title I would have beat down the Rock and I would have beat down Vince. <laughs> he said I should, he said it was it would have been just perfect. So one hundred percent. EJ, you're number two. Uh, my number two has already been said. Uh, I guess by all at this point, whose side is he on? Of course, Hogan, nineteen ninety six, the hill turn joining the NWO. Um, I mean, you all pretty much laid out everything but i will say this it, it had to be done because when you think about it at king of the ring 1993 before he went to wcw he had the match with yokozuna when you had your guy that was supposed to be the heel being cheered that was a problem yeah okay they were turning on hogan yep and of course he came to wcw and yeah he was the fan favorite but i don't know if you noticed even before that they started to turn on him again um 
there was a pay-per-view before that where he was involved at you you started to hear the booze then obviously he turned and i think it was the best thing for him it was something new a fresh coat of paint yeah and and to me everyone says oh they love talking many of this and that no not me i loved hollywood hulk hogan more that was my guy and again being a hill sympathizer i always liked the hill version more and yes, I was always doing the heel, the air guitar, um, with my fake uh, drawn WCW title. Yep. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it changed the business. I mean, it, Vince McMahon had to change his whole business model. Yes. Because of the NWO, 100%. they had to get rid of the characters, bring this whole attitude era uh, persona for to the brand, and yeah, it was all because of the third man. Yeah. Because, like you said. Anyone, no one else could have made that splash more than Hogan. 100%. So that's my number two. 100%. BC, you're number two. All right. My number two. This is a sentimental pick only. Uh, I doubt this is on anybody's list, but um, this is the moment that made me a WWF fan, and it was the moment that really – got me completely crazy about wrestling and i'm i'll put this question out for everybody afterwards is uh what was the moment that got you to be addicted to wrestling okay but this is the one it was paul orndorff turns on hulk hogan in 1986 the birth of wrestlemania yes well it it, this is unfortunately this one was kind of in between wrestlemania so it didn't get to be a main event i wish it had gotten the chance to be it should have been 87 wrestlemania 3 but then you had andre right but um but yeah i mean i'll just never forget the the clothesline that that paul orndorff puts on hulk hogan after he raises his arm and you know they look like they're buddies again he just smacks him with the clothesline And then Orndorff had the best pile driver you ever could see. Mm-hmm. And he took Hogan up 302 pounds of Hogan and just gave him a pile driver. It looked like he, it looked like the twin towers collapsed in the way he, he hit Hogan. And Hogan sold it like crazy. Yep. And then once again, joins Bobby Heenan. So now he's the, the number one heel. But I mean, again, long-term storytelling, they, this goes back to WrestleMania one where yes. um, Orndorff got turned face because of what happened at WrestleMania one. They formed this friendship then you have, um, you know, Adrian Adonis in the flower shop, Godin, Paul Orndorff about being Little Hulk and how, right. he, you know, he's his little buddy. And it just, you could see Orndorff just coming undone as the weeks went on. And I mean, I'm watching this just so intrigued by this. And yeah. then that heel turn just summed it up. And of course, being a Canadian, we had the big event in Toronto in, in the summer of 86, 70,000 people for that event. You had the, my favorite, um, steel cage match finish where you had the double drop down to the floor perfectly timed and Saturday right, night event right uh, just unreal just unreal but this this is sentimental reasons but this is what this is the moment where i went holy shit i love this you yeah. know this is the one this and then um jake the snake when he ddt'd uh, ricky steamboat on Saturday night's main event not on the <laughs> cement floor those two events yeah. but yeah i don't know about you guys that's good stuff that's absolutely good stuff and definitely we, let's answer that question at the very end um, my number two, I'm not shocked none of y'all have mentioned it yet because it's probably more personal than anything, but my number two, Independence Day, July 4th, 2005, Monday Night Raw, HBK super kicks Hulk Hogan. When that happened, and all you see for the entire remaining one to two minutes of footage on TV is, is Hogan laid out unconscious, 
And HBK just stands there. No words, no motion, just stands there and looks down at what he's done. And the place erupts in first a gasp of what the heck just happened. And then goes to a chorus of slowly trickling in booze of what did you just do? Masterful. Most guys would have rushed that. Most guys would have mouthed something. Most guys would have done something with their body. HBK just stood there and stared. It was so mm-hmm. ma- and as a as a as a guy in my early twenties, just turned twenty at the time, in January twenty of two thousand five. As a twenty-year-old watching that happen live, I literally thought to myself, "What did I just see? Why? Where the heck did this come from?" There's no, there's no teasing. They've been a tag team for like two months now. There's no dissension. There's no arguing. There's no riffs of who got the pin or who got to use their finish or who got the work. None of that. There's no hint at all that was going to happen. It was so blindsiding. And then, right after that, in Montreal, when he cues Bret Hart's music, and everybody thinks (laughs) Bret Hart's going to come out two times, and then at the end of the night, the last thing you see going off the air is HBK breaking Hogan's legs in the sharpshooter in Montreal. Masterful storytelling. Masterful. Mm -hmm. All the way up to their SummerSlam match, where he shakes his hand at the end and says, I just had to know. And And I found out. What? <laughs> just so so beautifully done. That heel turn will be forever imprinted in my memory. When that kick happened, I literally froze in my chair. Time stood still. What the heck just happened? It was so beautifully done. So beautifully done. What'd you what'd you think of HBK selling in that match? I think he showed us why he's <laughs> one of the best of all time. <laughs> yeah, that that uh that flipsy floppy selling of the big boot was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Yeah, I, I personally think the wrong guy went over in that one, but mm-hmm. that's it speaks a lot to also why Hogan had to beat Randy Orton the next year. But we won't get into that. <laughs> so anyway, we won't get into that. Sometimes uh, it's uh, better to let the new generation rise up. But anyway, we, we'll, we'll, we'll talk. We'll talk about that another time. Will, we're back to you. Guys, drum roll. We have gotten here. Will, Chef, what is your number one favorite heel turn of all time? My number one favorite heel turn of all time is not because he's one of my favorite wrestlers, but because of what it meant for wrestling, and I am the fourth person to bring it up tonight. Hogan turns on everybody. Bash at the Beach, 96. I feel like we saw Hogan come up. We saw him go through the whole process. The birth of NWO and joining with the Outsiders, what it gave professional wrestling moving on from that point forever changed the industry. So I think going from the red and yellow to the black and white, like going to the NWO, becoming the antithesis of everything he had been up to that point, changed the game. Bingo. So I feel like it was the most, it was the biggest for the business and for me personally as a young fan that was one of those like gut-wrenching knife to the heart moments watching him turn his back on macho man and luger and sting and joining with the outsiders and like it goes that but also in that same breath the reason why hogan inevitably left wwe at least in my opinion was one of the moments that hooked me on wrestling so answering bc 
1992 when Ric Flair won the vacant title at the Royal Rumble. Yeah. Because as as a young six-year-old wrestling fan, I was watching it happen, and I was like, Ric Flair's the other guy. He was mm-hmm. on the other TV. He, what was he doing on my show? And now yeah. all of a sudden, he's my world champ. I was like, wait a second. Like That was when the door opened for me, and I was like, okay, there is more than the WWF in the wrestling world. And that right there was that moment when Flair came in and took, you know, the belt by winning the Rumble. I was like, man, now I've got it because that immediately opened up what's happening in the NWA, what's happening in WCW, what's happening in the territories. Even as a young kid, finding out there was more than just one bowl of cereal to eat changed my life. Yeah. (laughs) EJ, you're number one. Okay, well, I know everyone has this one. This is my number one because... This guy is my all-time favorite, HBK, 1992. Turn it on, Marty Jannetty, at the barbershop. Now, everyone, you all said how you felt. To me, it was a great moment. <laughs> I I love to build up to it. Because, so you know, weird to hear someone say that. It just is, but it, I get it. I get it. Yeah. Oh, I'm a, again, I, I know. He'll sympathizer. <laughs> um, to me, like you saw it coming because – the way he was acting when he was on the apron, he's showing off to the girls, you know, not focusing on the match. You saw it coming. It was just, you're waiting for that moment. When is it going to happen? It's like Wardlow with MJF. Like, you you know it's going to happen. When's it going to happen? Right. And it did at the barbershop. And, again, the classic line, what a cowardly act. Trying to escape. <laughs> Going through a window. Uh, Bobby <laughs> the Brain is by far the greatest, greatest, not only manager, but uh, color Com- commentator. Color commentator, I agree. Yeah. Yes. Because, and to add on to that, if you'll mind me real, Go ahead. real quick. Go ahead. I love the YouTube video. If you've never seen this, go on YouTube. They did the primetime wrestling when it's just the moments where him and Gorilla Monsoon go back and forth. It is three hours. And I, I don't even go a month without seeing that. I have to watch it once a month. That's and awesome. I'm laughing my ass off all three hours. It that is, is awesome. perfect. Um, awesome. But yeah, going back to my number one, I'm sorry. That was a little bit of a tangent. No, it's but, okay. <laughs> uh, but no, to me, it, I mean, look what came out of that. I mean, he is the GOAT. I mean, to me, he's the greatest of all time. Yeah. And if it wasn't for that heel turn, that wouldn't have happened. Mm-mm. I don't think they would have shot the rocket. Uh, no. To, and no. Let him go. And it, it was that moment. And then the IC title runs, the world title runs. I mean, he was a four-time world champion. And like I said, going back, it wouldn't have happened if it weren't for that moment. So that's my number one. What a moment. What a moment. 100%. BC. What is your number one? Well, before I get to this, I'm going to leave you in suspense. Okay. I want to say, number one, thank you very much for having me on the show. This has been a blast. <laughs> it's made me realize how lucky I am as a wrestling fan that I was born in the 70s. So I've watched the mega rise of wrestling in the 80s. I've watched the full Attitude Era. I've watched the 2000s era. And now I'm watching today. I've seen so much in wrestling. So this is to go through this list is just impossible. Yeah. And I want to say props to you guys who, you know, are younger than me. And you are picking some doozies like uh, the, <laughs> the polo Austin Idol versus uh, Jerry Lawler. I, I mean, come on. that That is some deep digging. So good on you, Will. Now, for my number one, since I've seen all these great heel turns, obviously, it's Sapphire turning on Dusty Rhodes. 
No, no, no. I'm just joking. <laughs> oh, I'm excited. <laughs> I love that moment. Swerve. Check, please. Swerve Check, please. please. <laughs> That's good. Mine, my number one, I had to do that because everybody's talked about it. It's Hulk Hogan joins the NWO. I mean, come on. <laughs> this is the biggest, arguably the biggest star in wrestling history. At that point, you know, you can say whatever you want about whoever. At that point, he was the man. Yes. He joins the NWO. He turns evil. And for them, I know some of us knew that he had been a heel in the past, but for a lot of people, all they knew was Hulkamania, say your prayers, yes. eat your vitamins, yes. you know. And for him to do this, it changed wrestling forever. It brought a company that was considered to be, you know, redneck, uh, whatever into wrestling. the limelight yeah. and made mm -hmm. them, made them the number one company in the world. They kicked the living shit out of the WWF for a long time. So three weeks, that's gotta yeah. be the moment. That's number one for me. And plus it was just a major moment. I mean, watched it. And I still remember the garbage flying into the ring and mean Gene, of course, cops all off talking about how he's just like the garbage. And then of course, you had, here's my tribute, the big men and the medium-sized men in the ring with them. So, I mean, yep. yeah, R.I.P. Scott Hall. Uh, just amazing moments. 100%. 100%. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah. Uh, the more y'all talk, the more maybe this should have been my number one. But it was my number, <laughs> but it was my number three, and I'm going to stand by it. My number one. None of y'all going to believe this, but, well, AJ might believe this. My number one, July 22nd, 2002, when my favorite rivalry of all time wow. kicked off. We thought we were going to get the reuniting of best friends. We thought we were going to get the reuniting of the greatest faction in the history of the WWE. We thought we were going to get the new two-man power trip running roughshod over the entire company, running roughshod over Eric Bischoff, running roughshod over Monday Night Raw, taking their talents to new heights and changing the game again like they did in 1997. We thought we were going to get the reuniting of D-Generation X and then Triple H pedigrees him in the middle of that ring. <laughs> when that happened, and I watched the replay of that, my heart sank because when I saw it happen, it, I literally had just gotten back into wrestling. I took a hiatus after WCW closed because I didn't want to see my stars get put in the WWF. I didn't want to see that. But then I was like, all right, I'll come around and I'll watch it. I fell in love with Shawn Michaels. And in the middle of falling in love with Shawn Michaels, he was embroiled in this rivalry with Triple H. So I had to go back and find out how this all started. And when I went back and saw how it started... It was so well done. And then you think for a minute, okay, the, slip of the moment. This is a mistake. Triple H comes out, runs his mouth. Then he finds out HBK has been hurt and put in the hospital in a critical condition. And he's coming back to find out who did this to him, who did this to him. So I'm like, okay, okay, maybe there's still hope for this to happen. Maybe there's still hope for this to happen. And then they show that, that satellite footage. And they show the camera focus in. And Triple H is the man who did it. Greatest rivalry, in my opinion, in the history of pro wrestling. These two guys, because they're best friends and because they're practically brothers, they knew exactly how what to say to each other. They knew exactly how to have chemistry in the ring together. And man, the ultimate thing I love about it is it's not about titles. 
It's not about who's the face of the company. It's not about who's get the, who has the better wife. It's not about who has the better relationship with Vince. It comes down to one thing. Sean Hunter, who's the better man? Mm-hmm. That's all it's about. And they got four freaking years out of it. Four years out of that one thing, who's the better man? Until finally in 2006. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now we're back. <laughs> now we're back. Until finally it happened versus Mr. McMahon. But, yeah, when you had it at your number 10, BC, I'm like, crap. <laughs> but but, but so for me personally, Sean is my number one of all time. Hunter's probably my number five or four. And so the two of them doing what they do, and like nobody else before them could do it. And the best thing about it is you guys know watching them, it's real. It's so real with the two of them. It always has been. It always will be. Whenever Sean and Hunter are in the ring, just don't follow them because you can't. Whatever they're about to do is going to be the best moment of the night. They're just that good together. So when I saw that Matt, when I saw that turn happen, I said it doesn't get better than this. That's the that's the most heartbreaking yet most personal yet most dynamic heel turn I've ever seen. Absolutely. So that's my number one. So now let's come back around, Will. Honorable mentions. What you got? Some of the honorable mentions on my list were following up. I think Rock's turn in 98 were a big one. Uh, the end of the Bailey Buddies and her turning heel and cutting her hair off. I think that speaks volumes as to what she did as a character. Yep. Because up until that point, we had seen nothing but the bright, bubbly hugger. So to be able to have Bailey come out as that bad girl, Bailey, yep. became one of my favorite female superstars of all time with yes. that character and that shift. Uh, Steiner in 98, Roddy in uh, turning on Pete Dunne and joining the Undisputed Era. Um, I think all of those were great. Uh, everything you guys put on your list, I wrote down because I was like, Why wasn't I <laughs> that's 11, that's yeah. 12, that's yeah. 13. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I just felt like every time you mentioned one that I didn't put, I wrote it down so I could go back and rewatch it. Yeah. The Freebirds, huge territory guy, BC. So when you shouted out the Freebirds all the way back to 82, I was like, okay, so my list isn't going to be lost on everyone, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, well, yeah. good segue, BC. Any honorable mentions you want to say? Yeah, for sure. I, I like that you brought up the Bailey one. That was definitely one that I considered. Um, for me, uh, Horseman Sting. Uh, <laughs> when they eliminate him from the Four Horsemen. Oh, what a moment! Nothing like nothing like beating a guy out of a club. That's a nice way to do it. And then I'll turn the other way for Flair. How about Terry Funk jumping uh, Ric Flair back in '89? Oh uh, yeah. He wins the title versus uh, Ricky Steamboat. I don't know technically Funk what he, if he was if he was face, but man, he made sure he was a heel after that. Um, and then a uh, couple more Rollins uh, turning on the shield. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Ciampa over Gargano when they broke up. Oh, yeah, what, a moment, what a moment. Man. That almost made my just list. To, just to prove I watched some modern wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the other big one that I, I'm going to mention, and I, this one didn't make anybody's list, but how about Shane Douglas turning on the NWA? Oh, my gosh. ECW? What a moment. What a moment. Yeah, is that a heel turn? Oh. That's a heel turn to my. I opinion. don't think he dro- I, I may be stepping out here. I don't think the NWA has ever recovered after that. Yeah, yeah. I think that changed the course yeah. of the NWA. I really did. So yeah, and yeah. It, it also and it escalated into a, a I don't know what you want to call it a revolution for wrestling yeah. with ECW being formed. So I agree. Yeah, I'd say it's a pretty big one. <laughs> Very big one, wholeheartedly. EJ, what honorable mentions you got? Okay, <clears throat> Undertaker 1998 with the uh, Ministry of Darkness. 
then Seth Rollins in 2014. Yep. And then my now we're gonna go old school UWF Terry Taylor turning on Chris Adams. Yes. Mm. Yeah, that's yeah. a good one. Nice. Uh, and that's on the uh, network. I was uh, watching recently too. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. I love the Mid South stuff. <laughs> yes, Mid South's awesome. Okay, we all had it either on the list or in honorable mentions. Seth Rollins turning on the Shield. Mm-hmm. That was his HBK moment. I think that I yeah. think that really propelled him into a new level wholeheartedly. Oh my gosh, when he came down at Royal Rumble in the Shield garb and the Shield's music, I was so happy. That was so great, beautifully done. Um, uh, Bully Ray turning on Jeff Hardy and, and revealing he's the president of the Aces and Eights. Yeah, that was a big moment. That was a year long story to build up to that moment. It went literally from lockdown to lockdown. That was a big moment. And then on, and then my last one. August 23rd, 2020, the tribal chief is born. That, that, wow. Yeah, that's a good yeah. one. Who, who would have thought, yeah. who would have thought all Vince needed to do was stop shoving him down our throats and just let him be himself? Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Just let the man be himself. Let the man be the best Samoan wrestler, arguably, of all time. Well, somebody has something to say about that, and probably WrestleMania 29 is when we'll finally settle that one. But but we'll see. We'll see when we finally eventually get there, 100%. And then, yeah, I, I, you guys you guys named a bunch of good ones that I'm definitely going to have to go back and watch. But my, uh, I'll, I'll say my moment, and then EJ can share his. My moment when I first fell in love with pro wrestling, Sting. Just the surfer screaming, the fans loving him, the Scorpion Deathlock. I just I fell in love with him. I, he... HBK is my number one. Sting's my number two, and so just just that that iconic character hooked me as an eight or nine year old, and I was I was hooked after that. Every every Monday night or Saturday, what's Stinger doing? What's Stinger doing? I had to watch Sting, so that's how I got hooked. EJ, what yeah. moment? What moment got you hooked in wrestling? WrestleMania three. I was five years old, yeah. and and watching that, um, well, not live. It was on tape. Yeah. Um, a day later, but um, yeah, watching that, uh, it Hogan and Giant that that moment, just that match, I was hooked. And it, it's sad though that moment made me a fan of wrestling, but I became more of an NWA guy. And being in Philly, that was kind of weird. But we, the same station ECW was on was Public Access forty eight. They put their syndication shows, their NWA shows, on that same channel, right? And that's how I was able to watch that. So uh, it was WrestleMania three, but I got hooked to NWA later. Absolutely, absolutely. Real quick, guys, I'm going to let these guys put themselves over in just a minute. But before I do that, I just want to let you guys know if you want to support this show financially, did you enjoy this kind of content? I hope you did. There's two ways you can do it. It's been going across the bottom of the screen this whole time. Matter of fact, it's right below my finger right now. Go to our PayPal, paypal.me slash pod. You can give us a one-time donation there. Or you can visit our Patreon, patreon.com slash podcast. We have four different tiers there you can subscribe to. For those of you that are listening, we have the Bammer Slammer 
Hammer tier for $1 a month, the Botch Spots and Chair Shots tier for $5 a month, the Rewind tier for $10 a month, or you can become a Smack Draw Elite tier member for $25 a month. Depending on what tier you subscribe to determines how much you unlock as part of our brand. So please, we encourage you to take advantage of that. We're constantly trying to update our material and treat you patrons with some good stuff. We're actually going to be changing it here in the near future. You want to get in on the ground floor of this, I promise you. The stuff we're going to be doing, Will can attest, we got a lot of brainstorming, a lot of stuff in the wraps. We don't want anybody to miss out on anything. So if you want to see it happen, you want to help us make it happen, become a Patreon or go to our PayPal and help us with that. And again, thank you guys as always for tuning in on our Twitch channel. Thank you, live chat. We appreciate you guys for showing up tonight and talking to us on our Twitch channel, which is twitch.tv slash smackdrawpod. And again, if you want to watch the replay, find us on any podcast platform out there or go to our YouTube channel, like, comment, subscribe, click the bell. Every time we post new material every week, you'll get notified immediately. Will, put yourself over, man. What's the botch spots and chair shots got coming up and where can we find you on social media, sir? All right, everybody. I am your host, the Will Gray, Botch Bots and Share Shots. Make sure to like, follow, subscribe, unsubscribe, then follow again everywhere you do anything on the internet. We usually stick around that retro look. So we're looking from territory days all the way through modern wrestling. The last episode we put out, First Family of Wrestling, Heart Foundation versus the Anna Y family. Tomorrow we're releasing through the barbershop glass, looking at great tag teams that break up. Bama, you and I are talking about the big gold belt later in the month. So it's just various topics throughout wrestling history, setting down coffee table style discussions, just talking about what happened, when, and where. Yep. So follow us anywhere at Botch Bots and Chair Shots. EJ, put yourself over, man. What you got coming up on Squared Circle, and where can we find you on social media? Okay, well, you can find me on social media, only Twitter uh, at the moment, at Squared Top 10, that's Squared Top 1-0. And uh, this week, we're going to be doing the Top 10 Matches of Moments that occurred in pro wrestling. And uh, this week, uh, in honor of Scott Hall, I'm going to be doing the top five favorite matches from Scott Hall's career. So we're going to do the normal countdown, but we're going to add the little uh, bonus of uh, Scott Hall's uh, top five favorite matches. Uh, you're going to uh, follow the podcast on uh, uh, Spotify, iTunes, and Anchor FM. Awesome. Mr. BC Hunter, put yourself over. What do you have coming up on Wrestling With The Truth? And where can we find you and all of your co-hosts on social media? Yeah, so uh, we just released our latest episode. Actually, it was episode number 50 uh, on Monday. And uh, it was recorded actually prior to the news of Scott Hall passing. And we knew what was going on. So we decided to put a compilation together of our co-host NWO Machines stories that he had of his times with Scott Hall. And there's a lot of good funny stories there yeah. we wanted to bring some some positive light to things instead of dwelling on what was going on so it's a compilation of those episodes so uh feel free to stop by and check it out on all any podcasting app we're on all of them uh apple itunes you know uh, on um, google on spotify wherever you want to find it as far as social media twitter and instagram it's at wwtt pod for me it's at bc hunter wwtt uh for our co-host it's at nwo machine or at nwo underscore machine and uh at j myers wwtt and then of course we have a facebook page and our newest thing is the youtube so please head on over to youtube give us a subscribe i promise you there's some good funny content there uh it's short you don't have to spend a lot of time but we'd love to have some subscribers come on board and also subscribe to all these guys channels and social media because Obviously, you guys are massive wrestling fans, and I love and respect that. 
Absolutely. I think we can all attest and say that that is 100% truth. You can follow me at Bammer Slammer on Twitter. You can follow the SmackDraw podcast at SmackDraw Pod. We've all given our social media. We've all told us how you can subscribe and follow us everywhere. I'll leave you with this. Hard work pays off. Dreams do come true. Bad times don't last, but bad guys do. And this podcast has been just too sweet. Thank you so much for joining us tonight here on the Bammer Slammer. Have a good night, everybody. Everybody.